Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we celebrate the little engines that could not. Coming to you from Nilbog Manor Studios, I'm here with my engineer, Jason Harris. Our music was created for us by Jonathan Harmon, and I'm your host, Dylan Rory. As this is our first ever podcast, I need to co- give a couple of quick thank yous. First to Frank Santopadri from Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast for his encouragement and advice. To Julie Powers for her support and insights. And finally, to my late wife, Amanda, for initially giving me the push I need to start the Walter Paisley Movie House. Today's guest is the modern poster child for auteur theory. A legend of independent movie making, influencing hundreds of young aspiring filmmakers. With a career spanning over 50 years, he has made a lasting impact on the cinematic world, not only as a filmmaker, but also as a shrewd business person. Changing the way movies are made, distributed, and marketed, as well as helping indirectly get cable off the ground. A director of over 50 films, he's also had over 380 acting credits to date, and is an author who helped create what I believe to be the Bible for independent filmmaking, the Make Your Own Damn Movie series. He has worked with icons of the industry, such as John G. Albertson, Louis Maul, Peter Vincent Douglas, Catherine Ross, Kurt Douglas, and Kevin Eastman. He helped to launch the careers of Vincent D'Onofrio, James Gunn, Marissa Tomei, Jenna Fisher, Kevin Costner, Trey, and, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and Samuel L. Jackson, among many others. And when it comes to cult cred, dig this list of people he has worked with. Julie Strain, Debbie Rashawn, Mary Warrenoff, Candy Darling, the impeccable John Carradine, Odine, Susan Rothenberg, Georgina Spelvin, Jamie Gillis, Tally Brown, and many, many others. He is best known as the one half of the team that created Troma Entertainment, the studio that gave us the Toxic Avenger, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, the class of Newcom High, and many other cult classics. So if you know this music, then you know that our guest today is the one and only Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> you you are a prolific man. A sad old drunk, very happy. Thank you so much. And, uh, Walter Paisley be worshipped. Uh, and Roger Corman, uh, he uh, Dick Smith and Roger. Oh, Roger Corman is a fifty-year friend of ours. I met Dick Smith once, uh, and he was very very nice. I think I asked him if he wanted to work on stuck on you or one of our earlier films he was very polite you mean oh dick miller dick miller the oh, character actor yeah yeah i may have said dick smith earlier that's the effects guy <laughs> sorry about that uh, what was that like for you growing up in new york in that time it's kind of the magic time for new york as you were coming up well, uh, New York has uh, never looked more beautiful uh, than the last few years. All the buildings have been scrubbed, and the uh, now we have a horrible mayor. But uh, 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 Jacqueline Onassis encouraged the city to save the landmarks, and and um, has been a tremendous uh, amount of, of cleaning the facades and uh, they, uh, some old places like the ferry terminal and. Uh, it, and I would say New York is uh, sparkles, uh, you know, if you don't mind getting mud once or twice. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're old, you got to really keep your eyes open. <laughs> so how was it when you were growing up then? Uh, well, I have, uh, grew up in a very bourgeois household. Uh, mm-hmm. I learned French as a child and 
went to uh, all boys uh, kind of Latin, you know, strict Latin school type things. And yeah, I was very fortunate. I had what you call um, hashtag white privilege. And uh, <laughs> I, feel, I still feel guilty about it, which is in large part why my movies are so heavily uh, uh, involved with the underdog. Every movie I've done has, involves an underdog of some kind, including uh, movies that uh, we have financed that haven't produced or directed. It's a big deal for me because I feel bad about, uh, you know, so many people uh, around the world that didn't have the, uh, the good luck that I had. As, as uh, yeah. who's that old uh, rich guy? <laughs> Looks like this and he drinks Coca-Cola. Uh, the Berkshire Hathaway, uh, the, the old, Phoenix, the, uh, what is he called? The Muse of Omaha, the Oracle of Omaha. I, I never get his name right, but anyway, he's a billionaire. He, uh, he says, you, by being born in America, you win the lottery. And to some extent, that's true, except I think he was talking about white men only. Right, right. <laughs> and so things are changing a bit, but 75 years. And uh, it's shocking how, how little has changed. It's uh, are better, but still pretty, pretty horrendous for anyone who is not a white man. I remember Norman Lear saying some similar things about when he was growing up not understanding he had um, a lot of black friends and as he got older he he started getting ostracized by them and and vice versa his friends were getting on him for having friends of color and because of that he started making you know iconic tv shows for the same reason coming out of that kind of world where i want to see some underdogs get after it and he had i think some of that guilt played into it yeah i think it's definitely especially since I am of the Jewish uh, faith. Mm -hmm. Not much in the faith department, but I am. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I understand that six million of us were made into French fries. So, uh, you know, I can feel a little bit of, 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 of being exterminated, but I just can't imagine what's going on in China and the, in the, uh, with the Muslims. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what goes on in Alabama and the prison... You know, Martin Luther King said the Vietnam War uh, was uh, uh, was basically a machine to exterminate the young black male generation. He was correct. Uh, and the New York Times, he made a famous speech uh, after the one in Washington at Riverside uh, Church. And mm -hmm. the New York Times bombed it. They chastised, they totally eviscerated it. And he was only saying the truth. And now we have another system. We've got the uh, federal prison system, federal and state prison system, uh, over five, you know, has five million people, most of whom are young uh, black men, I'm afraid, and women, many men. And it's, it's an, another form of genocide. It's a zoo. They put them in the zoos. You know, they can't raise bail. They should get rid of, oh, anyway, you can see how boring I am. But no, no I, I understand what you're saying. It's a critical problem. <laughs> I, had a, I had a grandmother, uh, Grammy Kaufman. <laughs> And she was a huge influence on me. She was a, a pretty much a socialist, uh, um, uh, the daughter of a butcher. And uh, she, uh, she uh, as a child, she would give me books and uh, IF Stone Weekly, which was a very left-wing newsletter that came out weekly, IF Stone, mm -hmm. no relation to Matt Stone or Oliver Stone, both of whom I introduced to the movie profession. Stone uh, wrote a very left-wing, uh, quite well, uh, it was, uh, you know, he was blacklisted and uh, mm -hmm. my father used to get it at the house, but uh, uh, we were 
people, if we, we occasionally we would leave it around in public places, but he would tear off his name and address because right. blacklist time. Kind of like a, a communist Jack trick track. So yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, it wasn't communism, but it's pretty close. Socialist. Yeah. Yeah. He gave me a book called Brave New World. Oh, yeah. All this Huxley. Oh, uh, oh, 100% incorrect. Oh, <laughs> it was about China in the 50s, the brave new world of Mao Zedong. So, I, you know, and it was easy reading. Sure. Uh, it wasn't bad, a big print. And I was a, a teenager and I read it. And, uh, and then she gave me a book by C. Wright Mills called The Power Elite. He was a professor who had been kicked out of University of Pennsylvania. No, that was Scott Nearing. Uh, no, uh, no, yeah, C.W. Uh, Mills was kicked out of Columbia, I think, uh, blacklisted. Uh, kicked out of Columbia University and was heavily blacklisted. But uh, Power Elite uh, basically is the, the main mantra of trauma movies, except that uh, I've changed it a wee bit. Uh, C. Wright Mills was very into the uh, military industrial complex as mm -hmm. evil conspiracy. Uh, in my case, it's the bureaucracy, with the, the uh, bureaucratic elite uh, who would be our elected officials. Uh, who are just uh, uh, gorging on the public trough, the um, uh, uh, labor elite, who are many of whom are paid millions of dollars while their uh, constituency are eating dog food, and, um, and the uh, corporate elite, uh, I don't have to tell you who they are, three elites uh, cons uh, basically uh, conspire to deprive the good people of Tromerville of their economic and spiritual capital. And uh, they, uh, sometimes the little people at Tromaville need Toxie to save them uh, and the environment. Sometimes mm -hmm. Sergeant Kabuki Man has to step in, uh, NYPD. And then Troma's War, for example, the little people at Tromaville had to uh, yeah. save the planet themselves, save the Western uh, civilization by themselves. Uh, and all of this stuff that's going on now is predicted <clears throat> in Troma's War, 1985, which was the first movie in history that... Uh, pushed AIDS right in the face of, uh, of uh, the public. And it was remarkable when that came out. Yeah. That, that was. Totally. Yeah. Under, in fact, it was totally uh, the MP, the rating board, MPAA rating board. Yeah. We're, we're never supposed to tell us. They're never supposed to give an artistic uh, evaluation of movies. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a G, R, PG, whatever it is. Right. And the boss of the MPAA rating system told Michael Hers that our movie stunk, that it was terrible, and that in no way would we get a, he used worse language, and no way would we ever get an R rating, which we needed to uh, our video deal, which a, a big deal with Stephen on the movie. So thanks to him, uh, we did eventually get the R rating, but I think the movie was cut down to about 20 minutes. It's a lot of money there. We could have gone out. Sure. If we had had a, if we had been dealing with a bank with a credit like most of these slobs do, uh, we had a, we would have been out of business. We were stupid enough to use our own money, so uh, at least we didn't pay interest. You know, we, and in the in the fullness of time, because we own all our own negatives, and that was part of our original uh, plan. <laughs> business hadn't worked out so well. Uh, we wanted to hold on to the rights, and now. Troma's War is uh, actually making money, especially in Blu-ray. And uh, it's on Troma now, our, which I hope you could uh, put a note on uh, 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll get all your links up there and everything when we release this. And tell your fans to check out watch.troma.com. The, uh, the first month is free. There are about mm -hmm. a thousand movies, music videos, uh, make your own damn movie lessons. Yep. With people like Stan Lee and James Gunn and John G. Avelson. And, it's and a great site. It really has got a lot of content. A lot of interesting, uh, and uh, Tromet collectibles, uh, mm -hmm. major documentaries about all our behind the scenes. We've got a, mm -hmm. a, a half documentary on the last five or six movies that each one of those documentaries is the unvarnished truth. And uh, if I were a film student, I would watch them all and skip film school because it's <laughs> charging 80,000 a year, I think, in, at NYU and USC. And you could probably make a lot of movies for 80,000 a year. I've got nothing against film school. I just think it's right. outrageous that uh, that's how much it costs. And own damn movies now for 2,000 bucks, uh, maybe... You know, maybe you don't need to spend the 80000 or or go into debt. This uh, right. student debt that uh, everybody who were, my assistants get called up at work because they uh, they owe the government or the shyster, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, debt. Yeah. What a horrible way to start your career. Right. 2000 <laughs> debt, it's a disgrace. Anyway. Oh, no, you're, you're fine. No, this is... A, I, I wanted to go back a little bit. So your grandmother uh, obviously had a very positive influence on you and your way of social thinking. So is that what, was that part of what got you? I'm I sorry. I don't know how positive it was. <laughs> uh, I took all sorts of drugs uh, at Yale. Um, I hated Yale. Um, uh, so you left midway through to go into Peace Corps, correct? Uh, I took a year off, but I took was a year off. Pathfinder, Pathfinder. I was a guinea pig for the Peace Corps. Got it. In a remote country called Chad. Mm -hmm. uh, I lived in the bush there for a year with no uh, electricity, no running water. And uh, by coincidence, just two days ago, the, uh, the dictator of Chad was uh, uh, assassinated. So uh, Chad, uh, that year in Chad was a big deal for me because uh, it kept me out of the army for a year. Uh, sure. I got possible disease you can think of from uh, uh, gang dengue fever to uh, having eyeballs on my penis uh, but uh, there were a lot of naked people running around and mm -hmm. they would slaughter their animals in the market and uh, all this you know sex and violence right there sure. so it was, in a way it was like going to vietnam well, it's probably more dangerous uh, for <laughs> You know, I imagine if I went to Vietnam, they would have stuck me somewhere where they could use my whatever skills I had. Sure. Uh, Oliver Stone, with whom I grew up uh, from mm -hmm. the time we were about six years old, he volunteered to go to Vietnam. He took the same year off I did, but he volunteered to go to Vietnam. And he was very right wing. He believed mm -hmm. and he believed he was ra uh, pretty racist and uh, he believed in the cause of Vietnam. And mm -hmm. of course came back he had a totally different point of view and he, he like John Kerry uh, he, he pivoted around to yeah. uh, figured out where the wind would be blowing so um, and and uh, Stone was a real hero he was in the infantry he's got silver medals he's got all sorts of crap but Kerry I don't know I think he just was good at uh, hang gliding or what is it windsurfing so. Oliver Stone was at Yale at the same time as you correct yeah we were in the same class he same class he went nuts after the yeah. He came back. We both came back 
I, I did all right, and uh, he he flipped out, and uh, I don't know. He ended up uh, at NYU Film School, I believe. Okay. When I started making, but uh, whilst he was at Yale flipping out, he, he hung around. Uh, my roommate and I were making uh, movies there. Okay. He was uh, writing a horrible novel. Uh, he was trying to be James Joyce, but he was <laughs> on a movie set. And eventually he uh, turned out, he, he worked on Sugar Cookies, Battle of okay. Stern, and we did some other stuff together. Yeah. My parents were very, very tight. And um, who knew? Right. <laughs> he certainly couldn't write books for shit, but uh, he was <laughs> the greatest movie makers of all time. Uh, and a very good yeah. answer when it comes to uh, people like uh, Putin. He, uh, Oliver did a good job kissing Putin's ass. He and Trump. It's amazing because Oliver is very left wing, but he, he, both he and Trump uh, came around to kiss Putin's ass. As far as yeah. That's... Wait, uh, I'm not better. <laughs> so aside from Oliver Stone, you were also in school with John Alvinson and you guys actually oh, together. Oh, you he did not. I'm sorry. I apologize. I got some bad info there. It gave me my first sort of real onset job as a production assistant on uh, a movie that he uh, was directing called Joe. Peter Boyle. Yeah. It's a great flick. First movie. I was there when Peter Boyle was auditioning. Mm -hmm. Famous uh, because originally uh, the bosses wanted uh, Mr. Pink, one of the uh, uh, Lionel Stander. Uh, he's one of the colors in uh, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, he's dead now. Oh, um, I know. Uh, um, better old guy. Uh, old time with that guy's name. I can never. Can, I can't think of it either. I know exactly. He was in Mars Attacks and a lot of classic films. Did a great Southern accent. I think the rise and fall of legs diamond maybe yeah medical film <laughs> i'll put a, i'll put a note in <laughs> the podcast <laughs> anyway uh, uh, they wanted him that guy and uh Abelson wanted peter boyle and uh the bosses said peter boyle was too young to afford in world war ii and all that stuff but uh, this other guy uh oh, shit the other guy was uh, unfortunately uh, had a drinking problem and we took we were taking him yeah taking him to a department store and uh, we were to get costumes for him and uh I'm, we're on the escalator together and I'm, i look down I'm, i feel something around my leg i think it's, how could a mouse run up my leg what the hell is this and the guy was uh, peeing he was urinating he was uh, fucked up and uh oh, God. Oh, he's a brilliant a wonderful actor and uh, anyway, then the uh, bosses got rid of Rod Steiger. Are you, are you thinking of Rod Steiger? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Lawrence Tierney. Lawrence Tierney. Huh? Yeah. Lawrence, Lawrence Tierney. Tierney. Lawrence Tierney. Yes. Lawrence Tierney. Okay. Very nice guy, but unfortunately, Ford, who was one of, he's one of the certainly one of the greatest filmmakers in history. Mm -hmm. If he was around today, he would have been canceled hundred times. Call uh, John Wayne a Nancy boy. You know. Yeah, although he he did stand up to the to the uh, the communist uh, black, the blacklist, he he went up against toe to toe with all of them, which I really admired. Mill was running a meeting at the Directors Guild, the Directors Guild, who basically drove me out of it. Uh, he was at a meeting where DeMille was, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, blah, blah, commies, commies, and I think uh, Ford stood up 
said, uh, my name is John Ford. I make movies. And then proceeded to say, yeah. uh, you know, there's such a thing as the First Amendment. Right? Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty famous moment. Yeah, it's nice. But uh, unfortunately, these guys like Howard Hawks and Chaplin and uh, mm -hmm. Edith Clay, Picasso beat up women and, uh, you know, all that stuff. It's there. I talk about this a lot with friends because it's a challenge for me that that idea between the artist and the art and how do you separate them and I think it's such a slippery slope I mean it, if you go far back enough you're looking at like the Sistine Chapel and saying well I can't enjoy this because Michelangelo had sex with young boys yeah. it, it, it exactly. it's just you've got to you've got to put some kind of boundary there between the artist and the art they make yeah I don't I don't know how you avoid it uh, yeah I don't know really you know, I'm not going to stop. Oh, the best thing, I, what I like, uh, because I'm old, I watch, um, and I love uh, the great American auteurs, I watch uh, a, a TV, a Turner Classic Movie Channel, and they have mm -hmm. a free uh, channel of, uh, on demand where they show 20 or 30, you know, interesting movies, yeah. for the most part. And uh, they, have, they, have, they now have a, they're so concerned about uh, triggering us that they put, they have uh, these uh, talking heads. I don't know who the hell they are. One of them is a, a, a long time descendant. You know, he's like three generations down from Mankiewicz. Uh, and, uh, but the other ones, I have no idea who they are. Yeah. Uh, even the one from Mankiewicz, who the fuck is he? But anyway, <laughs> they're protecting us from Gone with the Wind. And they have, you know, a little scroll and they talk. <laughs> to On the other hand, I watch 42nd Street a uh, movie called 42nd Street, which is a musical. A seminal movie with Buddy Busby Brooks. <laughs> I've never seen it. And they've got black people in there that make, uh, uh, you know, little black Sambo look like the Jesus Christ or something. I it mean, really does. Shit. They got the, the black guy, a, a porter on the train who uh, falls asleep while he's shining shoes. They got the, uh, yep. you, know, the, the I, you know, all the stereotypes and no preparation for triggering. Oh, right. <laughs> well, you know what are the rules i just want to know what the rules are right that woman from uh in alabama who was trying to uh unionize amazon amazon won't tell these folks wh what are the rules about going to the bathroom uh, what are the rules about uh, getting stopped uh, by security and why why is that going on my personal break time uh getting stopped and searched by amazon security uh, right and uh, you know, what? just tell me what the rules are. And we need a union for that. Of course, yep. they are getting $15 an hour, which apparently our Congress is not able to uh, create for uh, uh, citizens who elected them. Right. Imagine people working for less than $15 an hour. We've got lawyers. <laughs> lawyers. you got these crooks on TV running after ambulances. They make a million dollars. They They shake down insurance companies. They teach people had a fake uh, frozen uh, necks and whatever. And they're charging 400 to 1,000 an hour. for. Uh, they're on TV every two minutes. <laughs> I can understand why a lot of people uh, you know, hate the Jews. <laughs> they give Jews a very bad name. <laughs> to some extent, because of those guys. I mean, it's disgusting. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean I it is. If somebody falls out of an airplane... Uh, if the if on Delta and the door opens and they fall, definitely they should, you know, uh, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> a Kia blows up. Uh, you know, when you buy a car, you don't expect to be blown up. Uh, that person should get a lot of money, millions. But uh, it's uh, bullshit. Uh, we had one where uh, 
Well, as this is absurd, we had somebody uh, go after us, uh, claiming to be kicked by a horse uh, when we were filming out on uh, in New York City. Mm -hmm. We had seven policemen on the set. We had a, a, a trainer for the horse. The horse was barely able to, uh, uh, the next week, I'm sure it went to the glue factory. It could barely walk. I mean, it could, I don't think it could kick if it wanted to. It had been on Saturday Night Live. Uh, and we even had a kid to hang out behind the behind of the horse to make sure no passers-by would get in, in the area. And also, if the horse defecated, we had a bucket and would immediately clean it up. Yep, got to get your scooper. This woman sued us. Insurance huh. lawsuit. And it went on for three weeks. And she actually got money in 1980. This is the last time. It's the only time it's happened to us. 1980. Totally phony. The detectives yeah. that the insurance company uh, hired uh, uh, showed footage of her dancing around in a discotheque. And she, when she was in court, she was dragging her leg behind her like Igor from uh, Frankenstein. <laughs> and, uh, and the insurance lawyer that we had, we, we knew, I knew we had this stuff. And one week goes by, another week goes by, another week goes by. And I have to sit there listening to this shit. And, um, and, and, and uh, finally, I, told, I called up our, our own lawyer, had him call the insurance lawyer and say, hey, this is horse, you know, horse shit, if you'll pardon the pun. <laughs> the next day, uh, the, uh, our lawyer, first of all, he whined at me, uh, the lawyer that we had, the insurance lawyer, whined at me saying, you know, what are you doing to me? I make $1,000 a day doing this. This 1980, so that'd be 5000 today, probably. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? I'm doing my hair and my living. I, blah, 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 blah. And uh, uh, disgusting. No one, and he would vomit. He would go in the bathroom and vomit before the, <laughs> in the courtroom because he knew he was an, a total disgusting hypocrite. And finally, when our lawyer uh, goosed him, uh, we had a conference. I wasn't part of it, but they had a conference. They showed the judge the footage and mm. uh, they settled it. And the woman still got $80,000 in 1980. <laughs> Holy shit. A lot of money in 80. <laughs> In 1980, she put that in Google. <clears throat> we live in a nobody wants to work hard. You know, drunk, high on uh, sky, high on cat tranquilizers. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna jump back to John Ford real fast because yeah. he's actually I, he's one of the names I wrote down here because I was thinking about. I, I you'd said before in some other interviews that your roommate in Yale kind of got you into film. Uh, you he had a, a Kaya de Cinema that I believe you read and learned about Alter Theory. And um, there's, I mean, I could read those magazines from. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about that, you know, you it's it that all two theory where the director for the listeners who don't know, a director basically is the be all end all of the movie. That's the person who makes all the decisions and, and kind of runs the show overall. Um, so and obviously that's how trauma works as before you guys formed Troma, let's go back to your very first movie that you made. Um, that was The Girl Who Returned in 69, right? So on that one, were you just kind of flying by the seat of your pants? How much had you worked on prior to that on movie sets? Well, my, my roommate who ran the Yale Film Society, uh, freshman mm -hmm. year roommate, uh, he, uh, he had a, a the, the film society were into the auteur theory and they had a stack of Cahiers de Cinema magazines uh, in which the articles were written by uh, uh, journalists, Jean-Luc mm -hmm. and Claude Chabot and uh, Alain uh, Tavernier, and, who just died, 
Uh, and uh, since I read French, I thumbed through them, uh, better than going to a class. And um, I started uh, buying into this auteur theory. And the movies that the Film Society uh, showed were, uh, you know, Borzegi and Joseph H. Lewis, Samuel Fuller, Roger, uh, Jerry Lewis, uh, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Chaplin, Keaton. Uh, and uh, the only time they would uh, stray from that They'd have a Russ Meyer uh, weekend once a year, and a, if I remember correctly, a James Bond uh, weekend, and they uh, make their budget with those two movies, those two weekends. <laughs> right. Afford to show, uh, uh, you know, they would show, uh, uh, you know, Frank Borzaghi's Moonrise, where four people would show up, or, uh, you know, sure. we mainly were showing them for ourselves. I wasn't even in the film society, so <laughs> mainly the film society and two or three of us who would show up for this stuff. By the way, we're transitioning at the time to uh, not to being women, they were transitioning to being filmmakers. And uh, indeed they have made some of the greatest uh, French films and maybe some of the greatest world films that uh, have been made. Even though they're French, it's amazing. <laughs> I know, I know. Fact, the best, if, if you want to see a, a wonderful a series on, on, on Netflix, uh, it's called A French Village. It's about seven or eight seasons. It's in French. You got to watch the subtitles. It, it, and I, I, I speak French and I, have, I can understand mm -hmm. only about half, but it's magnificent. It's terrific. You got to watch it. And every teacher should show A French Village in their high school, a history teacher. It, it's it's a, a wonderful, uh, a, a small French village in Alsace-Lorraine uh, is occupied by the Nazis. And it, the series takes you from prior to that through the 70s. And all the uh, interactions between the citizens, the people trying to do the right thing and, and, and uh, having to make kind of a Sophie's choice. Uh, sure. uh, Nazis require them to, to uh, <laughs> either we, you give us 10 people to, uh, to uh, execute or we're going to start going in alphabetical order, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, that, uh, and uh, it's just great. Terrific. And there's another French one called Spiral. Uh, I've only seen two or three episodes. Brilliant. Uh, also wonderful. Uh, lighter, more of a detective thing. And then if you want to have a laugh, uh, call my agent. Also French. Hilarious. And uh, yeah, and it's got, uh, uh, you know, it's got uh, a lot of... Uh, real French movie stars uh, in each episode. Right, yeah. So about the French movie, uh, you know, agency. Uh, it centers around an agency uh, in the French movie business. But it, it's ah. absolutely, it's wonderful. So charming and genuinely funny. And there I can't understand a word. It's a modern day French. They talk uh, like machine guns and the subtitles are white on white. So- uh, Of course. <laughs> French. <laughs> so, that it really interests me the idea of the auteur theory um because it's it's harder and harder to do now i believe um and i i'll i've got a couple of questions about that as we go on but at the same time as you were doing this there were people like john waters down in baltimore was doing similar things um there there were just so many of those people coming around the same time well you talked about he's a little earlier but russ meyer uh was definitely doing that a little earlier than everybody um you also then in the 60s, there was a, a big breakout, especially in America, for nudity in films with nudity cuties and, um, you know, Herschel Gordon Lewis came along on the tail end of those and then started the splatter genre and so on. So as 
you're coming up through college through all of that. Was that even on your radar, that stuff that was going on out there? Nope. No, not at all. In fact, when I when I was a, a freshman at Yale, when I entered the school, I was I was going to be a social worker or a teacher, you know, try to make the world a better place, a peace. And what was your what was your degree in? Uh, I had, I majored in Chinese studies. Right. <laughs> I still, I mean, I love the culture, but uh, yeah, I've been to China numerous times. But you I, speak I, Chinese, correct? I was pretty fluent in it. Uh, enough yeah. Chinese. I had a, a Chinese girlfriend in Taiwan uh, in the sixties, but um, okay, that was all. You know, we couldn't go to the real China. And uh, right. I, my wife and I have been there since '79. We've been there a few times, several times, but uh, no more. We'll never go back. It's a genocidal dictatorship. Right. Well, thank you. So you you didn't know that was going on. Your your roommates taking you to these movie nights. You're reading about this auteur theory and everything. At what point did you go? You know, this is something I want to do. I didn't even know the concept of a movie director. I, I you know I loved Charlie Chaplin and Laurel and Hardy and Harold Lloyd and those guys. But I, I just thought they were clowns, you know, funny clowns. And uh, sure. I, I never really thought, I never knew there was such a thing as a, di- a movie director. I, mean, I guess I heard the word, but I didn't realize the, the you know, the importance. And uh, so that all changed uh, as I started getting sure. in to see these masterpieces. And, uh, you know, finally I, I was in a movie by, uh, again, there were like six people. Uh, um, by Ernst Lubitsch uh, called To Be or Not To Be. And it was great film there that I decided I'm, go- I'm going to make movies. I'm going to do that. <laughs> that would, I was going to ask what movie it was that kind of flipped the switch for you. That's a great one to have it do it. That's a really good movie. Mel Brooks did a kind of half-assed remake of it that I didn't care for as much, but that yeah. original. Great, but it was all right. Mel Brooks is a big hero of ours. Uh, no, the- can do no wrong in my book. But uh, Lubitsch is uh, Jack Benny. Uh, if you want to blame somebody for a trauma, uh, go to uh, the graves of Jack Benny, Carol Lombard, and uh, Robert Stack, <laughs> and Ernst Lubitsch, and uh, urinate on them because it's their <laughs> <like> fault. <laughs> and the Lubitsch movie, it's so controlled, it's and yet totally insane. It's wacko, but yet it's uh, got serious points and it's uh, beautifully uh, controlled. Uh, and it's a masterpiece and uh, totally entertaining, <laughs> except there are no, uh, no uh, melon heavy breasts or songs. Right. <laughs> I think that's in the porn parody of it. <laughs> to pee or not to pee, I believe is what that one's called. <laughs> that came in later when we. <laughs> wrote the first draft of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, yeah. I had been working on it for five years and getting nowhere. And uh, he, again, he was not a movie man. I, he was looking for work. He was a, a very good novelist and had written a book uh, for his masters, which I read, terrific. Uh, but he was my assistant uh, for a couple mm-hmm. of years. And uh, because I was had trouble on Romeo, I gave him the mess we had created. And his first draft, I think we gave him a hundred bucks or something. His first draft was excellent. But he had seven urination scenes in it. <laughs> well, that was too much for me. But uh, I have to say, while we're talking about Tromeo, is my favorite trauma film. Well, um, I was a 
done all the way, in my opinion. It's a it's a beautiful film. I was uh, I was actually I was a theater major in college and and would go to uh, Stratford on Avon in Canada for the festival up there and see Shakespeare and everything. Romeo and Juliet was truly captured the spirit, I believe, of Shakespeare. <laughs> I think Romeo. In fact, when the Museum of Modern Art, they had a month a series called uh, Breaking Breaking Bard. Uh, Breaking Bard, uh, ah. and uh, and they had uh, three Romeo and Juliet films, uh, Zeffirelli, mm -hmm. uh, 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 the guy from Australia. Oh, uh, Baz Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann uh, and uh, Romeo and Juliet, and they played awesome. Romeo and Juliet at four in the afternoon, and all the you know the the room was packed, you know, with all these uh, Museum of Modern Art subscribers. These sure. who probably heard they could see a little lesbian sex or something that's fantastic this was packed and when zeffirelli's film came up at six o'clock uh, not a big crowd and nobody barely anybody for the uh, one with the uh, the bass lerman one yeah Leonardo uh, was in that and i think that our actors uh, both of whom uh, knew a lot about shakespeare uh, i think it, it comes you can see it in tromeo and juliet that james mm -hmm. our actors and i were, were very much into shakespeare yeah. Well, and dude, uh, we'll get the Shakespeare shit storm in a few, I promise. We'll, we'll roll back to that in a minute. Uh, hashtag Shakespeare shit storm. Hashtag Shakespeare I'm going back again because I want to talk a bit about your friendship with John Albertson. Um, you worked on Rocky with him. I believe you also worked on Saturday Night Fever as well. That was that was written by Badham, though. Joe was the first one. Joe was the first. The first day I was on the set, of Joe, and I saw the shot that Avelson was uh, setting up, I, I, I could see that he knew what he was doing. He wasn't, the company I worked for was a, a very schlocky, uh, low budget company called Canon. Oh yeah. That was pre, pre Golan Globus though, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Pre the boys from Tiberius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 however, they did hook us into making the worst film in the history uh, in Israel. Uh, thanks to those guys, we stupidly uh, raised money to make a movie in Israel. Was was that um, the Battle of Love's Return? Was that or no? That was a horrible film. But it got big. Was, was it Big Gus? What the fuss? Yes, that is the. That's the one. Worst movie, and uh, thank you, Menachem Golan and company. <laughs> so uh, by the way, and. Um, uh, I, re I talk about these films in my early films in the uh, various books I've written. Yeah, I, the make, make Your Own Damn Movie was a book that I bought on a whim. I saw your name on it. I'm like, oh, I've got to read this. The chapter um, sound, the one thing you're going to fuck up. That was like the perfect title for it because it is. So when you're when you're doing these things with with um, these at the time, low budget films, but getting some studio support like Rocky and Saturday Night Fever, and you're watching all the mechanics of making a film go on. And you're thinking about all of these things. At, at what point, because at that point, you'd already made a, a couple of films um, on your own. So at what point then did you and Michael Hurst start talking about, it was around 74, I know that you formed Troma Entertainment, but when did you guys really start thinking this is something we could do for a living and create our own studio? Well, we, uh, I tried uh, earlier, uh, uh, around 1970, uh, two older guys and I started something called Armor Films, which made uh, two 
three, actually, three failures. Um, and uh, well, of course, I and my friends raised all the money and then they, these old guys, uh, older guys, uh, pissed it away on crap. Uh, not crap, that's not fair. Big Gus was awful, no question about mm -hmm. it. But uh, Ted Gershuni, who was the uh, third uh, leg of the stool, uh, was a director, I think, he, he and a good guy. Uh, but unfortunately, he his work was very boring. And uh, uh, these guys were maybe, they were a number of years older than we, uh, we are, that we were. So uh, I stupidly got Oliver Stone and Gerard Glenn and, uh, you know, a few of my friends to go out and raise the $120,000 for Sugar Cookies, starring Mary Warren of... Mm -hmm. by uh, Ted Gershuni and uh, Oliver Stone kept telling me this guy Gershuni is making it messing it up it's going to be boring I could tell <laughs> uh, you should direct it you direct it and uh, but I was too afraid to even speak up mm -hmm. and um, I think Sugar Cookies is the only X it came out x-rated it was the only x-rated yeah. That ever lost money. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a worthwhile film if you, if you, especially if you're a big fan of Vertigo. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen Sugar Cooks, yeah. But it's it's good. And Mary is very Lynn Lowry, who I uh, discovered. Lynn in, Lowry's amazing. Yeah, she was in Battle of Love's Return. That was her first movie. I just watched her in Model Hunger, and yeah. uh, she just owns that movie. She's Everybody great in that. Has a lot to do with it. You know? I'm actually talking. We'll be talking to her in May. Um, so show? yeah. Terrific too. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Discovery of mine, uh, and uh, you know, Debbie, Tiffany, and and Lynn are incredibly talented. Yeah. I assure you, had they been uh, men, I think they would have been up there with Oliver or. You know any of the actors or whatever you know i've i've always been impressed with them and you mentioned mary warnoff and that leads me to one of my favorite films you were involved with which is silent night bloody night which is um that movie is fascinating to me just in that it was you know the first time a lot of those factory people were doing something away from like paul morrissey um they were kind of just, and, and candy darling died not long after production i believe on that one that's to know pretty well because again i was just a associate producer, you know, mm -hmm. basically a glorified production manager. But mm -hmm. I drove Candy Darling uh, to Oyster Bay from Manhattan a couple of times, uh, actually several times, and got to know mm -hmm. her quite well. Uh, and uh, Jackie Curtis and Tally Brown. and But mm -hmm. I was a huge Warhol fan. So yeah. I, I know that I was uh, totally, uh, you know, enthralled with Mary Warrenoff. Warrenoff. I've seen Chelsea Girls and and she's beautiful and, and nice and smart and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work out on sugar cookies, unfortunately, but uh, not her fault. My mind reels when I think about your career, just because of all the things you've done. And as, we, as we're moving now toward you and Michael Hurst starting Trauma. And that's as good a place as any to conclude part one of our interview with Lloyd Kaufman. Join us next episode for part two in which Floyd tells us about the origins of Troma Entertainment and his wife Pat joins us for a mini reunion with our producer Jason. This has been the Walter Paisley Movie House at Nelbog Manor Studios. Our producer is Jason Harris and our music is by Jonathan Harmon. I'm your host Dylan Rory. A friendly reminder to all of you as our world is opening back up, 
Be sure to tip your servers generously because at the Walter Paisley Movie House, you can't piss on hospitality. 